<clears throat> well, good morning. Good morning, Red Lane family. <clears throat> Welcome back. Where have you been? <clears throat> you're, you're probably saying that to me. Thank you, Gloria. Uh, you're probably saying that to me this morning, right? Where have you been? And uh, I do appreciate your prayers. I, I've been to, since I've seen you, I've been to Japan. And, and of course, you know that uh, we were actually displaced. We had some home damage. And so we've been staying over in the short pump area for about three weeks, and now we've returned back to Powhatan and just got back from Denver. Somebody, uh, I, I mentioned to someone, I, I'm going somewhere I've never been before. And they said, home? <laughs> and, uh, and Jan says amen to that. So I know it's been a while, because if you have your bulletin this morning, if you turn, we're going to be looking um, at Psalm 138, 1 through 8, and the title of the message is, I will give thanks with my whole heart. If you look down at the bottom, it says, guest speaker, Steve Bradshaw. <laughs> That's how long I've been gone. Now I'm a guest speaker, formerly known as an elder, right? Formerly known as uh, Prince. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Well, we're glad that you're here this morning. What great praise offering to the Lord this morning in song we've already had, and and uh, what a great video, right? Is that not true? Oh, my gracious. When Thursday comes, and for us, when Saturday comes, it's going to be chaos just like that. Um, Psalm 138. I will give thanks with my whole heart. So as you're turning in your Bibles this morning, I want to just give you a little bit of background. Um, come on in, y'all. Um, <laughs> this, uh, this is a, a wonderful psalm that's written by King David under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's generally thought of to have been written once David had advanced to the throne because he is praising the Lord for supporting him through many endeavors and praising him because he has kept his promise to him. But I also believe firmly that he was praising him for yet the accomplishments that had not taken place but would come to full fruition. It seems as if the psalm was composed sometime between David being king over Judah and him being king of, over all of Israel. Some theologians understand this psalm as a thanksgiving for the Jews who are returning to Babylon, which David actually prophesied. Others call it a thanksgiving with a prophecy because it is the pro prophecy of the Messiah's kingdom and of the calling of the Gentiles in the later day. At any rate, this morning, the Lord has led me to choose this particular psalm on this Sunday before Thanksgiving because I believe that there are Thanksgiving and praise lessons to be learned from the psalmist, from the hymn writer, David. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, if you will turn to Psalm 138, and it's on your screen as well, and I, I think... If I'm not mistaken, does that say, let me get my glasses on, yes, HCSB. And normally I'm reading from the King James or New King James, but this morning I wanted you to hear the translation from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, and that's what we generally use in our small groups. Here's what the psalmist says. I will give you thanks with all of my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your constant love and truth. You have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. 
On the day I called, you answered me. You increased strength within me. All the kings on earth will give you thanks, Lord, when they hear what you have promised. They will sing of the Lord's ways, for the Lord's glory is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from a distance. If I walk into the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of the enemies. You will extend your hand, your right hand will save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Lord, your love is eternal. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Pray with me. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the psalmist, the hymn of David. And Lord, our prayer that today that will be our hymn of praise as well. So we commit this time to you. Allow us to examine the scripture by your Holy Spirit. Guide us and direct us. Help us to leave this place even more thankful, giving you ever more praise than before. We trust you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in your bulletin this morning, there is an outline. This is almost, in some regard, like um, being in class. Um, there's filling in the blank, and then at the end of the service today, there will be a test. <laughs> so, um, several things. Are there prizes? Yes. <laughs> prizes. We have some pumpkin pie uh, out of the trash can. There we go. So what are the lessons that we learned? Let's begin by looking at how to praise God. Let me suggest three ways from the psalmist. If we look at verse 1, he says, how are we to praise God? We're to praise him with our whole heart. <clears throat> I will give you thanks with all of my heart. This is mentioned in the Bible twice more. If we look at Psalm chapter 9, verse 1, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Another translation says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all of my heart, I will tell of all of your wonderful deeds. We also see it in Psalm 11, 111, verse 1, when the psalmist says, Praise ye the Lord, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Another translation says this, Praise the Lord, I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. So here David makes a great statement about his praise. He says in verse 1, I will praise thee with my whole heart. David had learned that praise was not supposed to be a half-hearted thing. It was to be done with the whole, with the entire heart, not half-hearted. So with my whole heart actually means all that is within me. It's a sincere intention. It is fervent affection for God. It's my outward expressions as a reflection of my genuine, inward, deep, deep love for God. Whole heart is inwardly sincere with zeal outwardly. The whole heart here refers to all, all that is within me. But let me elaborate on three specific things this morning. I believe the whole heart means with our mind and with our will and with our emotions. David was thoroughly convinced in his mind that God's word was true, not any mixture of error. We believe that too, right? That God's word is true, it's infallible, it's inerrant, it's the word of God. 
So David was thoroughly convinced in his mind, but David was also thoroughly determined in his will that the Lord would do what he had promised that he would do. By the way, David did not predetermine not to believe the Lord because of his current circumstances. And this is a great lesson for us today that we would be wise if we would not decide in advance how the Lord is or is not going to deal with our current circumstances. Let him have his way, right? Amen? So David was thoroughly convinced in his mind. He was determined in his will. And he was thoroughly determined that his emotions would not get in the way. You see, I think we're kind of emotional people, right? Sometimes we feel a certain way about something. We let our feelings and our emotions, unfortunately, make many of our determinations. Folks, we cannot fully trust our feelings. They tend to be deceptive. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9 says. Proverbs 28, 26 says this. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whosoever walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Folks, wholehearted praise must come from the whole heart. Not half heart, not even three-fourths of a heart, but with our whole heart. So maybe we need to have a better understanding what half-hearted means. The dictionary defines it as without enthusiasm or energy. Words to describe those who are half-hearted are those who are unenthusiastic, maybe kind of cool or lukewarm or apathetic or indifferent or uninterested, unconcerned, listless, superficial, feeble, or lackluster. I don't know about you, but I don't want that to describe me. I mean, that's half-hearted. One of the best illustrations of half-hearted that I can remember in, in, in recent memory was of a professional tennis player. I'm a, a, I'm a tennis fan, and uh, Nick Kyrgios is a highly ranked AT, uh, ATP player. But he has a tendency to allow his emotions to get the best of him, and he got miffed over a, a call by an umpire. And his demeanor just broke. His, his shoulders were drooped. His his, he, he started to drag his feet. There was very little energy and enthusiasm. He just barely hit the ball back to keep it in play. I mean, it was so obvious that he wasn't even trying. The commentators cut him no slack and said his attitude stunk and he was an embarrassment to the game of tennis. And sure enough, the ATP fined him $25,000 and suspended him for eight weeks because of his half-hearted efforts. Now, I wonder this morning, what would happen if we would be fined or suspended for not praising the Lord with our whole heart? You see, I think many of us would be bankrupt, or we would be suspended for life because of our half-hearted praise. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't treat us that way. He doesn't treat us the way that we deserve it. Notice in verse 1, the psalmist is speaking in the future tense here, he says, I will give you praise. I will give you praise with my whole heart. I am determined in my mind, in my will, in my emotions to be in such close fellowship, such communion with God that I am driven by his love for me and my love for him that I will praise him. I will thank him with my whole heart no matter what. So I want to ask you this morning, 
are you determined today to praise and to thank Jesus with your whole heart? No matter what the future holds, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter the unforeseen outcome. Are you? Are you willing to do that? Well, let's be accountable, right? Let's look to our neighbor, say it with me. I am determined to praise Jesus with my whole heart, no matter what. Do you mean it? That's what the psalmist did. So how are we to praise God? We're to praise him with our whole heart. Secondly, the psalmist praised God with freedom and boldness. You continue in verse 1, he said, I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. Now that David is praising God with his whole heart, he is now acknowledging the lofty place that God deserves. Above earthly princes, above Judges, above great men, above great leaders of other nations that had visited him, even over those uh, within his own nation that had attended to him, even above the angels. He's praising God above them all. And not only that, he's praising God unashamedly in their presence. He's singing praise on every occasion that he's given, no matter who's listening. That's freedom. That's with boldness, right? I love to hear humble athletes give God praise when their team wins or when they receive some award. But the proof of true praise is when you sing God's praise freely and often and with boldness and you haven't just succeeded or you haven't just won the game or you haven't just received that award. And so, Tommy, I'm reminded of Tony Bennett, you know, just a year ago when the UVA basketball team lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Not easy to give God praise when you lose. And yet he knew, he told the players, this is for a greater purpose. It's not about the game, it's about God's purpose. You ask the Alabama quarterback right now who is out for the rest of the season with a hip injury, and he would say, God's purpose is being completed. So when a sudden heart attack claims a life, when unexpected fall leads to an unexpected death, when cancer returns and one doesn't survive, two others face surgery and treatments. It's when you hear these folks like Gloria and Marilyn and Jean and Vicki and now Tracy, who is currently struggling. It's when you hear these folks praise freely and often and boldly that you know that they, like the psalmist, is acknowledging the rightful place of our supreme God. He's God, and he's in control. And the psalmist says to us today, you have to determine in your own mind and in your own will and in your emotions, with your whole heart, you will praise God no matter what and do so freely and often and boldly. It's not easy, is it? It's not easy, Marilyn. It's, it's not. Gloria, but you have to determine in your mind and in your will and in your emotion that you're going to praise God. He's God and we're not. Thirdly, the psalmist praised God the way that God appointed 
appointed and pointed, to be honest, because in verse 2, the psalmist says, I will bow down toward your holy temple. You see, in King David's day, the priest alone went into the temple, but other people actually bowed and worshiped toward the temple. Uh, it could have been in close proximity, or maybe it wasn't in close proximity. As, as I stayed in a hotel in Richmond area, I've actually been there, and I, I walk, uh, walk in, and there are Muslims on the hallway, and they've taken their shoes off, and they're kneeling to, to pray toward the east, toward the city of Mecca, the sacred house, the sacred mosque. And here King David in the psalm is prophesying of the coming of Christ, who is our temple. And we must look towards him with an eye of faith as our mediator between us and God. Not some priest, not some building, but looking to Jesus. Heaven is God's holy temple, and therefore we must lift up our eyes in our praise of Almighty God. We're to keep our heads up. We're to keep our eyes up on Him. Jesus Himself prayed, Our Father who art in heaven. I think the psalmist would be singing a song, Nick, probably like Matt Redmond's song. You alone can rescue. You alone can save. You alone can lift us from the grave. You came down to find us, led us out of death, to you alone, our highest praise. And the bridge says this, we lift up our eyes, we lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, we lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. So, so what do we learn from the psalmist this morning? How, how do we praise God with our whole heart, with freedom, and do so often, and do it boldly? the way that God appointed toward heaven. Okay, where are we in the syllabus? Two. And what time is it? All right, we're good. So what other lesson can we learn from the psalmist? What should we praise God for? Now let's look at verses two and three. And give thanks to your name for your constant love and truth. You have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. On the day I called, you answered me, you increased strength within me. So what should we praise God for? Number one is constant love and truth. It's right here in his word. God's love is not something that he turns on and turns off. As a matter of fact, it is constant. We can count on it even when we fail, even when we fall short of his expectations. David had experienced it firsthand, and now he's praising God for his constant love and truth. I mean, God had already proven the trustworthiness of his word. We, we already have that uh, taken care of. It's, it's all God-breathed. It's profitable. It's all good. When God breathed out each and every word of the Bible, he didn't leave any part up to man to write. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and in righteousness. Now, the word magnified or the word exalted here simply means to be fulfilled beyond all expectations. Paul says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. So, we should praise God for his constant love and the truth of his word and the fulfillment of his promises that are greater than we could ever, ever imagine. 
So what are some of his promises? We've, we've already named some things today that we're thankful for. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I get a little bit discouraged or I'm feeling lonely or, or depressed or sometimes broken, God's word speaks to that. It speaks life to us. And uh, I don't know if you have, I have this little book that's called God's Promises. Man, and I have it close by because it says, if you're feeling this, read this. If you're feeling this, read this. If you're going through this, read this. And his word always, always speaks truth. Constant love and truth. So praise God for his constant love and truth of his word and the fulfillment of his promises. But we should also praise him for hearing our call and answering our prayers. David had been in affliction. And he remembers with fondness and thankfulness the sweet communion that he had with God. It's sweet communion when we're totally dependent on him. We're desperate for him. And David said he cried, he prayed, and he prayed earnestly, and God answered him. God gave him an understanding that his prayer was being heard, that his prayer was accepted, that it would be answered in time. You see, this intimate and ultimate relationship between God and his children is carried out through the promises to us through his word and through our prayers and through our earnest crying out to him. I mean, how many of you this morning know without a shadow of a doubt that you have cried out to God, that you have earnestly prayed and that he has heard you and that he has answered your prayers? Anybody? I, I pray that it's all of us this morning. You see, some of you have cried out for salvation, and what did he do? He saved you. Some of you have prayed for physical healing. What did he do? He brought forth healing to your body. Some asked to restore marriages, and he's done that. Some prayed for work, and he provided a job and income for your family. We should constantly be testifying to God hearing our call and answering our prayers. Folks, God is faithful. Now, his answer is not always what we want, right? Because his ways are higher than ours. But he answers earnest prayers. And sometimes the answer is yes, but sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is yes, but not now. But he answers our prayer. He's faithful in that way. So what should we praise God for? His constant love and the truth of his word, the fulfillment of his promises, for hearing our cry, our call to him, and answering our prayer. And then the psalmist says this, we should praise him for increased strength. I mean, do you know what David's prayer was actually for? It's thought to be relief from the distress of Paul's persecution. So he cries out to the Lord and he immediately answered him and delivered him out of his troubles. You see, folks, when David cried out, God gave him more than just a yes or no answer. It was more than words. God gave David inward strength. It was an answered prayer that should be remembered with thankfulness. God gave him strength in his soul to bear these burdens, to resist the temptations of the day, to do the things that God wanted him to do, even in the midst of his circumstance. Do you need that kind of strength? today, not necessarily to overcome your problems or my problems, but increase strength that will help me keep the faith, to maintain a peace of mind, to wait patiently on the Lord as he sees us through our circumstances. 
That's inward strength, folks, that only comes from God, and he deserves our praise. So what should we praise God for? Constant love and truth. If you're filling in the blanks, hopefully you got them all filled out by the time we take the test. <laughs> Praising God for his constant love, the truth of his word, the fulfillment of his promises, for hearing our cry, our call to him, and answering our prayer, and now increased strength. Man, we have so much to be thankful for, don't we? Another lesson that we learn from the psalmist. Gosh, I don't even know why I have these glasses. Let me see. 9.49. What time do we finish? And don't tell me 10 o'clock. Okay. Because we are at, if you're looking at your syllabi, we're at number three. Another lesson that we learn from the psalmist is the influence that we have on others when we praise God. If you look at verses four through five, all the kings on earth will give you thanks, Lord, when they hear what you have promised. They will sing of the Lord's ways for the Lord's glory is great. And something I noted here is that our influence we have on others when we praise God, that includes even those who are in authority. Even those in authority. David was a king, and he hoped that because God had appointed him in this position that other kings would be won or convinced by his experience and his example to embrace a personal relationship with God. So David knew that in, if these kings became believers, that their kingdoms would be much better for it. I mean, who is a David in our day? I, I mean, of the world leaders, who will step up and praise and thank God and point people to Jesus? Who, who, who is that? I mean, when you think of it, can you even think of one that would do that? I mean, I would like to think that maybe Vice President Pence, who seems to be a godly man with a sweet spirit, a calm demeanor, soft rhetoric. I mean, my prayer all along has been that because of his position as Vice President, that God would use him to influence even our own president and to have a big impact on Washington and around the world. Our prayer is that all leaders of the earth would give thanks and praise to God. And David hoped that as king, he could influence others to know Jesus and to trust him and to praise him too. So David says that when they hear what God has promised, secondly, it says in verse 5, that they too will sing. They too will sing. The kings and the rulers of the earth will have reason to praise God because they have heard his word, they have received it, and they love it. David said that they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, in other words, the ways that he provides for them and the grace he showers towards them. They shall rejoice in God and give glory to him. Can you imagine what the world would be like can you imagine what our country would be like if the president and the vice president and the cabinet and the Congress and the Senate and the governors of our state and the mayors of our cities and towns heard God's word, received it, and loved it? We would say with the psalmist, they too would sing of the ways of God, and great would be the glory of the Lord. You see, David knew that if these leaders would walk in God's way, others would follow, and they too would sing the praises of God. So this is the third lesson from the psalmist. 
we do not begin to understand the impact and the influence that we have on others when we praise God. You see, the testimony of a Gloria, of a Marilyn, who's praising God in the midst of their circumstance. And a lost and dying world says, what do those ladies have? What is it about them? How can they withstand this? How can they move forward? And their lives are impacting those who are in authority, and, and, and they too will see. May it be so, Lord, in our own country and around the world and in the workplace and in the marketplace. Increase our influence by our praise of you. The final lesson, number four, we're there. Y'all still with me? Okay. Verses six through eight. There's this comfort that we have from God. Though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from a distance. If I walk into the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You will extend your hand, your right hand will save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Lord, your love is eternal. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Three ways that God comforts us. Number one is that he takes note of the humble. He takes note of the humble. Even though the Lord is exalted high, notice he has respect for the lowly. He smiles upon them and he's well pleased with them and sooner or later will put honor upon them. But it also says that he knows the proud and he knows them from afar. He knows them but disowns them and rejects them. I mean, think about that. Have you, have you ever been around a proud person? What do they do? They normally elevate themselves by belittling others. They promote themselves. They seek after positions. They insist on leading out. And the psalmist says that God knows them from inside and out, and he disowns them and he rejects them. I had a pastor once to tell me that he, he would say to his congregation, to the sheep, he would say, trust my leadership. Just trust me. And folks, if you have to ask people to trust you, more than likely they don't. That attitude does not get God's attention. He takes note of the humble. So if you're seeking to be a teacher, or seeking to be an elder, seeking to be a deacon, or seeking to be a church leader, that's a red flag to the psalmist. He would say, all you have to do is humble yourself and serve the Lord, and he will take note, and he will use you. Three ways God comforts us. First, he takes note of the humble. Secondly, he also preserves us from danger and the enemy. Preserves us from danger and the enemy. David, even though a great man, expects to walk in the midst of trouble from time to time. So he encourages himself with hope. Hope that God would comfort him. When my spirit is ready to sink and fail, thou shalt revive me and make me easy and cheerful under my troubles. 
hoped that God would protect him from the danger of the enemy and plead his cause. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand, not against the enemies to destroy them, but against the anger of my enemies to restrain them, to restrain that and set boundaries. And then hope that in due time, God would deliver him. The right hand shall save me. So you see, on the one hand, it's stretched out against his enemies. So the other hand is stretched out to save his own people. Christ is the right hand of the Lord that shall save all those who call upon him and serve him. God comforts us by taking note of the humble. He comforts us by preserving us from danger. And he comforts us, thirdly, as he fulfills his purpose. Now, let's face it, we've already established that we kind of get caught up, we get lost in our own feelings from time to time, and come to this place where we start believing what we tell ourselves. I believe this is my purpose. I believe this is what I need to be doing. So, to be encouraged means to have purpose. Once your true purpose is realized, there is strength to be received. Nick Foles, who's the quarterback for Jacksonville, recently boldly proclaimed his purpose for playing professional football. It wasn't to bring wins. It wasn't to set some kind of record in passing. He says, my purpose in playing football, the reason God has blessed me to be able to play is so that I can glorify him and point people to him. That's God's purpose for him. This is the pathway by which he has given him. You see, when we choose to believe what we're telling ourselves, we end up very discouraged and without purpose. And the Lord gave David purpose, and he did it through his word. I want you to listen to this. The old saying is still true. Look to self and be distressed. Look to others and be depressed. Look to Jesus and be blessed. That's tweetable. I didn't say it, though, okay? So look to self and be distressed. Look to others and be depressed. Look to Jesus and be blessed. We have the assurance that whatever God has begun in us, he's going to be faithful to complete his purpose in our life. All right, you have your papers? All right, if you would give your paper to your neighbor and your neighbor give theirs... (laughs) We're going to grade these, okay? These are the lessons we learn from the psalmist. Are you praising God this morning with your whole heart? Are you praising Him with freedom and doing it often and with boldness? The way that God has appointed looking and fixing our eyes upon Him, the author and finisher of our faith. Are you praising God for his constant love and the truth of his word? For hearing your cry? For answering your prayer? For giving you strength in the midst of your circumstances? Are you aware of how he uses you and your influence when you're praising him? Even those who or in authority over you, like your, your boss, takes notice. And through you, they can hear the word and receive it and love it, and they too will sing. 
Are you experiencing the comfort that God gives you? Because what happens is he takes notice of the humble and he preserves you from danger and he preserves you from the enemy, from Satan. And he fulfills his purpose in your life. The question is this morning, as you came in, honest assessment, were you praising God with a half heart, three-fourths of a heart? And if your answer is yes, David says this morning, give thanks with your whole heart. That's everything that you are. Everything. Are you willing to do that? Are you? Your whole heart. That's the only way you're going to pass this test, by the way. With your whole heart. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, you deserve our wholehearted praise. All that is within us, bless your holy name. Lord, I, I pray that as your word is spoken to us, truth today, that we've been encouraged, not discouraged. But any time that we break open your word, it's a time of self-examination. And so we recognize the fact that maybe as we approach this Thanksgiving season, and as Nick has already said, it's not about a week, it's not about a particular day. I mean, praise should continuously be upon our lips and, and our praises to you alone because you're worthy. But if we're honest with ourselves this morning, there are times that we are discouraged. There are times that we do feel depressed. And it's then that we cry out and say, Lord, even now, I am determined in my mind and in my will and in my heart that I'm going to praise you. Today, Lord Jesus, in this room, if there's one who's never trusted you, if they haven't trusted you as Lord and Savior. Their praise has been for, for man or things. But they've not been giving you the praise that only you deserve. And today would be the day of salvation. As the psalmist says, the, the hand is extended, the right hand is extended for salvation, for deliverance. And that hand is being extended today. Today we begin a brand new day of praise and thanksgiving for you to the one who deserves it. And if that's your desire today, if that's your prayer today, that you would be saved for all eternity, saved from the depths of hell and the grave, saved from your sins to a right relationship with God through Jesus. Then if you'd come forward during the invitation period, that myself or 
Nick or an elder would be willing to pray with you. Today would be the day of salvation for you. And I know there are many in this room who are already trusting Christ. But let's face it, we probably haven't been praising you with our whole heart. And today's an opportunity for us to say fresh and No more half-hearted, no more three-fourths hearted. I am determined in my mind and my will and in my heart, I'm going to praise you no matter what. Lord, would you have your will and way during our time of invitation? This is your invitation to us to say yes to your word. Help us to be a We trust you. We thank you. In Jesus' name.